Hey guys, if you can think about how you found this podcast, maybe it's on Instagram or TikTok, maybe someone shared it with you. I don't run ads for the show or have sponsorships, so the only way this grows is through word of mouth. If this was valuable for you in any way, my only ask is if you could share this with someone who you think would help their investing journey or business. Thanks a lot, and let's get to the episode. Welcome to STR Like the Best. I'm your host, Michael Chang. It's my great pleasure to welcome Dytron Corker. Dytron, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Oh, thanks for taking the time. I'm at Nashville probably mid-March, and I got to I got an opportunity to learn about his portfolio, so I thought it'd be a really good opportunity to share what I've learned. And But before we start talking about Dytron's portfolio internationally, his stuff in the Midwest, multifamily, short-term rentals, arbitrage, and his growth plans. Actually, why don't you bless us with a very memorable short-term rental guest that you may have had in your career. I'd love to hear about it. Because we're in Chicago, it gets very cold. So I had my second guest to come to my Chicago Airbnb. He came in, it was negative 10. And he basically turned up our heating thermostat up to 90 degrees. And he then proceeded to open all the windows in the house. So he's basically allowed it to run that way for almost a week. It gets, it's really cold. That It's really warm at 90. So you got to open the window. So you get that nice, <laughs> you know, if you're tucked underneath a warm blanket with the AC flowing. Basically, get a good breeze. <laughs> it's too bad. It was your electricity bill. What was your electricity bill that month? It ran around $500 when it's generally around $80, $90. <laughs> oh my God, this sounds terrible. I'm guessing you put in a, a nest or, or something to block this room. I did. Sadly, I didn't put the block on before that, but then I put the block on right after that happened. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Like, all, actually, all my all of mine are scheduled to go to 70. What's it? No, actually. 70 or 71 in winter at midnight, it always will automatically turn down to whatever they had just because some people just turned 85 or something. Cause it's not insane numbers. <laughs> cool. Let's, why don't we jump, why don't we jump into it? Why don't you just give the audience, if you just give a little bit of your background, what you do now and a little bit about your portfolio. Yes. I used to work in the, I finally quit my W2, but before I, prior to that, I worked 18 years in the supply chain world, worked mostly for the military and for corporate America. After 18 years, I can't do this anymore. So I decided to leave in February of this year. While I was working, I was developing my portfolio. So I have purchased property within Chicago, Midwest region. Now we're going into Texas, Michigan, Joshua Tree, and Mexico with desires to push further into Ecuador and Argentina this year. I'm racking up those frequent flyer miles now, now, that now that you're retired. Now you're a retired supply chain professional. Tell me a little bit. Let's look on that. I think a lot of people that listen to the show, they're working. They're trying to figure out a way to build an, another income stream for themselves and or just acquire cash flowing assets. I always say you don't want to be the only cash flowing asset in your portfolio. There's only yes. so much that you can work and. Look, as you get older, you're just not going to have that same throughput that you did when you were in your 20s. I know, I don't, I know now at 43, those 16, 17 hour days, two or three of those in a row, and they really catches up with me versus I could do those for weeks on end when I was younger. But how did you manage your time and your time, your capital appropriately to be able to build up this portfolio before you quit? What is it now? Three months ago? Yes, I would say in the beginning, very poorly. But after a while, I started to systematize everything that I could from programs to do all my messaging, from 
doors to everything. So I wanted to make it as much as hands off as possible. So that did free up a substantial amount of my time. So I did not have to worry about did the guests check in, did it get to the door and things of that nature. Yeah. But how, like when you first started though, it must've been hard though, right? Mm-hmm. You're working, just your first property. It's hard to automate when you have one thing and you actually don't know, and you actually don't know what to do because you don't know what to automate because you don't have the experience. No. Just, just talk, tell us something about that. I'm just curious. Tell us about that journey while you're working, while your wife, both you and your wife are working and doing this. It was definitely was a struggle. Like you would work your normal day around three o'clock every day. You, you put aside all meetings to not <laughs> past three o'clock and make sure that window of time, just in case someone needs to check in and have a problem that you're available during work. So it was definitely a very much of a struggle to, to marry the W2 and work, but it was a great thing that we did hire a VA. The VA was definitely a thing that I wish I did from the very beginning. Yeah. I, we got ours at property seven, I think. And yeah, everyone, people always ask me that. I was like, I wish I got it at my first one, but realistically probably the third one would have been the right time. Cause you got to learn the business too, before you can train someone to do it. Tell, like, I want, let's focus on the short-term rentals. Like where, so you're in Mexico, you're in Tulum. We talked about this right. before you are in Chicago. Do you own in Texas now? Or are you just, are you, do you own uh, in Texas? I, yes, we own in Texas. Okay. That is a partnership deal. Okay. 50, is 50. it STR or, or LT? STR, MTR, LTR. I said short-term rental. Short-term rental. Okay, cool. Okay, so you have so in Texas, Mexico, Illinois, and Chicago, and then you're building one in Michigan. Let's before we hit the stuff that you own, which I'm super interested in, especially your Michigan one. Are you have you considered arbitrage now as you now come out of your W two? You've done you've done a lot of the really complicated stuff. This is more of a layup for you than than basically. uh, Yeah, that's while I had the W2, I did not think about arbitrage much because I still had the ability to buy and to turn into Airbnb and cash flow from it. But now that I left the W2, it definitely, that cash flow that I lost when I left hurts. So now my desire is to go for arbitrage has grown within the last few weeks, months. And now. So how's a guy like, so how's a guy like you, who's obviously knows short-term rentals, owning short-term rentals and running them. How is that different now trying to learn arbitrage? Tell us a little about your learning journey so far. It is definitely a bit of a struggle to get landlords to, to allow you. They are very, they don't know, understand a lot of things. They think they're going to have more damage and more issues. And it's not, your place is going to be immaculate when I leave it because that's not how it works. So it's definitely like dealing with the landlords and trying to get them to understand that I am doing your service also, including myself. Got it. So educating, educating the landlords on your business model, you're saying that's a key challenge. And how have you thought about, do you reference the work that you've done before in your rentals and how that, how are you overcoming those objections? Getting, once I get through the door, it's definitely showing like my portfolio, say, this is not the first time I've done it. This is what the properties that I do own. And this is the standards that we, I do keep And any maintenance issue that is caused by the guest at least is it will be corrected by me and you don't have to worry about those types of things. It's definitely showing them what I have done and getting their trust that I, I would do the exact same with their property. Yeah, no, that's great that you have your own. That's a good reference point. I think a lot of people that start, they don't, they may not own, they're just starting out. And, you know, I think that barrier is higher. I think really pre- presenting yourself as a professional and that first and foremost, having a website, professional email address, just like the basic stuff. 
and, and just practicing your pitch actually. And that's a big part. We have, as you probably know, we have 20, I think we're almost like 30 now arbitrage units in just all in Philadelphia. My wife and I, we both, we, we left our full-time jobs in 20. She left in 17. I left in either 18 or 20, 2020, depending on how I want to define it. But having to arbitrage portfolio definitely helps. It's, it's the cash flow is just a lot faster. Yes. Buying versus buying. Um, okay. So tell us about, actually, tell, I think that's a really great, actually, this is a great, because you actually do, you're going to do, so do you have any arbitrage units now or no. you're still working on it? Okay. I literally meet a landlord after this phone call today. Okay. <laughs> very good. Very good. Tell us about how you, like, how do you think about the stuff that you buy? Is that a different lens than what you're using for arbitrage? Yes, much different because I'm looking at things that cash flow as a short term, mostly as a long term, and then I convert it to a short term rental just to be conservative with the reasons that something might happen. I might have to go back to a long-term rental. So most definitely underwrite it as a long-term. And if I cash flow pretty minimal, I'm willing to take that because year one is one thing, but year three, you should be able to cash flow in your long terms also. So definitely I'm happy to take something long-term that cash flows. And for our arbitrage units is definitely making sure that the property cash flow every month after all the expenses and making take into account the seasonality and make sure I cash flow across the whole year. Definitely. And make sure make and making sure you get those rent concessions up front. Yes. Those really help. We always target three months. We don't always get three, but we'll we'll generally get two, six we'll get at least six weeks, about two months. Obviously depending on the season. We try to hit during the winter when things are slower and for them, it's, it's going to be there. If it's going to be empty in January, February, you might as well to give it to me. And then, and you get the, and then you cover that vacancy loss with a concession. Tell, if you don't mind, can you tell us about your, that your the one in Chicago? Cause I, I want to talk about the Michigan one, but one in Chicago, just quick numbers. How many units do you have there that are running a short-term rentals? So in Chicago is two. Two. Okay. And are they apartments or like just are, Two bedrooms, three bedrooms, one bedroom. Yeah, bedrooms. there are two bedrooms, one bath, and they're in multi-unit buildings. Um, and then Chicago rules, you can only do a certain amount of short-term rentals in a building. So the rest of the building is long-term and this one unit is short-term. Got it. So that unit, long-term rent, what would that be? If, you were uh, if I put it on the market, it probably would rent out for $18.50. $18.50, okay. And then how long have you been operating it for? About two years. Two years, okay. So like just... Uh, taking into account seasonality, I know Chicago will be pretty seasonal, especially the winters. What's the yeah. monthly? What's the monthly gross there? I would probably gross around forty five hundred on the Airbnb. Wow, so two and a half times. Yeah, that's nice. With a with a seasonality, with seasonality, yeah. Yeah, look, two and a half times rent. Obviously, got to pay for utilities, cleaning, whatnot, and then the beautiful thing is the rent. The rent goes back to your own, it goes to the left pocket, the right pocket, and then it you know, pays down your mortgage. So fantastic. Great deal. Great deal. And yeah, look, I mean, I think that is, that is the art, that is arbitrage, right? So finding deals that are two and a half times rent is actually our minimum is two and a quarter, two and a half is great. Like you're definitely going to make money on two and a half. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing is if you own arbitrage, you can scale a lot faster because you don't have to own it. So it's just a furniture, but if you own it as well, then you get the advantage of the pay down the mortgage, the tax benefits, and the appreciation. Appreciation, depreciation, cash flow. It's a it's a very nice mix. It's amazing triangles. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it, 
that is the real estate holy that is actually the real estate holy trinity is appreciation appreciation and cash flow and that's and candidly that's short-term rentals if you do it if you do it right if you find the right market find the right property and speaking of the right property we were chatting before we, we logged on tell us about your michigan project this one is the coup de grace of my portfolio it is a single family home in michigan that is around five thousand square feet that has a indoor pool that is about 15 feet deep. So it's quite, quite the wow. pool. And it has an indoor jacuzzi and an indoor sauna on the property. And it's backed up to a creek. It looks amazing. You can get to the to Lake Michigan within 20 minutes. And it's an amazing property. It's, it's the biggest property that we've ever set foot into to turn into an Airbnb. It's fantastic. Congratulations. That that sounds like quite the pull. You get a good water polo game in there or, yes. or, or Navy SEAL training in there. That, that, Basically. That, that, that's a really deep pool. Tell us just some numbers. How much did you pay for it? I got it on a contract at 290. 290. Okay. When did you buy it? At the end of last year. Oh, sure. Okay. So it's about six months now. And then how much are the renovations? It'd be around 130 in renovations. 130. Okay. 290 plus one. 130, right? You said? Yeah. 130. So we're looking at about 420 all in. And then I think you're just starting now. So let's just say kind of year end. How long do you think it'll take to do this? It'll probably take around five weeks, four weeks. Five weeks. Oh, five weeks. Oh, okay. That's nothing. Okay. Five weeks. Okay. Not nothing, but not five months. No. You're, you'll be in for six, seven months of holding. So yeah, let's say, yeah, four, 425. What will this, after you're done with this, what will be the after repair value, the ARV of this? The property, and the property as a normal home will be around 550 to 590 as a normal home. Perfect. So it's 150,000 in forced appreciation. Very mm -hmm. nice. So that's the, uh, so that's the appreciation. Obviously you'll be able to depreciate the property. You'll be able to, because you put all these expenses in and there's bonus depreciation. So that would be very nice. Yes. Cash flow. So let's complete the holy triangle here. What will this, what do you project this will do per year? Per year, this property should cash flow around $150,000 a year. Well, gross, uh, gross revenue, right? Yeah. Gross revenue. Okay. Gross, gross. Uh, yes. So 150 gross. And what do you, just ballpark, what do you think this will actually cash on cash for you? I should be around 40, 5,500 plus off this property per Perfect. month a month yes so that's 60k yeah so you got you got 150k of appreciation of forced appreciation you got 50k of cash flow per year obviously you got to run into everything so that's work yeah. it's not nothing it's not passive for sure <laughs> but you have a you already have an operation so you'll just bolt it on and your team will have to learn that one but um, yeah it's not the, nothing in the world and then depending on the value of the land you know that's Another 150 of depreciation, a bonus, a bonus there, 125, 150 bonus. So there you go. Look, there's a, we just calculated about $400,000 of value on one project. So, yes. So, so very, and that's being conservative. That's very conservative. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I got that. I definitely got that from our conversation. We connected when we were in Nashville. We connected over the the buffet, the buffet bar at the, at the conference. And I really, I really enjoyed meeting you and your wife. I thought you guys were, were doing something really cool. So glad we're able to do this. What, tell us about, and let's talk about Joshua Tree too, actually. Because I know you, you, you got something going on over there. You're keeping very busy. So in yes. your retirement from procurement, J Tree. 
I, I got the bug just like everyone else did. Thank you to some of the other friends that I've met along the way. And I bought a piece of land in Joshua Tree. And I am on the way of building a container home on the, Josh, on the land there that should be around two properties. Okay. How much is land in I've heard varying quotes. Like how much, you're the second person, you're the second person out of, I think I've had seven people on the podcast so far that have bought property in J-Tree, <laughs> bought land in J-Tree to do this. So Travis is the, Travis, the episode that's going to be, be going live tomorrow. He's doing something in J-Tree as well. How much, so how much is the land? Like, where is it? Is it, is it city and water by the city? Or is it uh, already? Yes. So I paid $50,000 for my plot. And the good thing is that there's water at the street. So there's no okay. issues there. I know a lot of people that did not have water at the street. They were paying, well, that had water at the street. They pay quite a bit more, sadly, for the water being there. So definitely that is a big deal. And we scoped out properties that did have water at the street. Got it. Do you have power? No. That's the okay. one thing. Okay. So what do you do for power? We're getting creative. <laughs> so like solar? Yeah. Like solar, like solar packs. Okay. I'm just curious about what people do out there. Everyone has their own mousetrap out there. It's, I find it really fascinating. The creativity of the folks that are willing to venture out there. I'm a very meat and potatoes kind of guy. We, <laughs> I'm in Philadelphia and the Smoky Mountains, Tennessee. It's just a lot of uh, probably more competition than I need, but uh, I could not wire. I couldn't figure out solar. I couldn't, I don't think, I, I don't think, I don't think that's my wheelhouse. I'll have to, I'll have to learn from, we'll have you back on. You can tell us about the project. I'd love to learn more and, and share some pictures. Oh yeah. As you're building this, like what's the thought process of building? You have just, you have a portfolio. So you're building it differently for me. I'm in two locations. I'm just in Tennessee and Michigan. We're going to, we're identifying a new location that we're going to invest in, but you're in a bunch of different locations. How do you, what's the thought process of the portfolio construction? There's many things, but it's definitely the fact that Chicago is where the largest part of my portfolio is. And in the wintertime, you're not making a lot of money. It's just the season. So putting properties in other places that will make up for the loss in the wintertime in Chicago definitely is one of the big things for me. It's like, I want year round cash flow not to just drop off it in, as soon as it gets into November in Chicago. I gotcha. Okay, so just balance the out seasonality from a portfolio perspective. Okay, Michigan's, pro I've heard Michigan does okay. Michigan's pretty tough in the winter unless you have a hot tub, but you have, you have a hot tub and jacuzzi, right? So that should balance out. So that's nice. Yeah. That'll balance the thing out. is that it's, it's all indoors. Okay. It's, I can get someone that's willing to come in the wintertime and get in the pool in, in December. What is your heating belt for that? <laughs> Insane. Heating. Yeah, right. 5,000 uh, square feet. Oh, yeah. Is it like, is it like bunker oil kind of thing? Or like, <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is not the worst. It's, it is cheaper than Chicago, that's for sure. But oh, okay. such a large house. Okay. Okay. Good. Great. Yeah. That, that, I actually just, it just came to my mind. I was like, that's a lot of square footage to heat. And because I'm sure, I think that'll probably go like negative 10, 20, right? That, that yes. Area, easy. Right? Easy, right? Yeah. A lot, a lot of snow and everything. <laughs> How do you manage all this stuff remotely? I know you have a good remote team, but how do you like how do you manage all the different on the cleaning teams, runners, handymen? I automated it majority all of it. I do have my systems in place that if a a cleaner has an issue, they let us know. They're automatically given the access to the house and they're told anytime a guest checks and checks out. So they know payments are all automated. So it's definitely more hands-off in that aspect, but definitely the, the handyman is the biggest thing. So yeah. 
I pushed everything like that through the VA. So she ends up doing majority of the hands-on handyman and stuff like that. Got it. How many VAs do you have? Just one, but we one. are adding on another one. Okay. We need a social media manager. It is. <laughs> we have six. Wow. Yeah, but we, I wish I had another one. Um, <laughs> I, they listen to podcasts, so guys, I love you. You guys are great. They've been with us for a long time. It's, it, it is, you're just as, you're only as good as your team. What do you use for your cleaners? Like you said, it's all automated. Do you use a, do you build something yourself? Do you use like Turno? What do you uh, I started with Turno, but then I started to bring my own cleaners onto Turno because they were more reliable. But the niceness of the cache in the calendar setup was good for that. So I use Turno, but I use them with my own cleaners. Okay. So you just use that. Yeah. Okay. So you BYOC. Basically. Okay. I got it. Okay. Cool. Anything else on the management side that, you know, that you think you do particularly well? It's definitely the, the automation. So like you were saying that your thermostats changes when it just checks out, everything like that changes for me. Thermostat lights, air conditioning, everything. It Everything that has power shuts on and shuts off before the guest okay. gets there, including my TV. I actually have my television turn on. It says, welcome guest, the guest's name. And it tells them, welcome to the property, tell you about, a bit about the property. And it has the QR code for our, for our guest guide on the television when they come in. What do you, that's so cool. We don't do that. What do you use for that? I actually just use a smart things like connection that when they open the door for the first time, it triggers my television to turn on. Okay. Very cool. Actually, I, I had the smart things before when I had, when I had the, the Yale locks, I had the Yale yeah. 216s. We transitioned to the Schlag and code. So I actually got rid of all of them. I, I sold actually all of them to one, another operator. <laughs> but I don't have any more smart. That's really cool that you can do that with smart things. That's really neat. Do you ever get, did they ever probably have with those, like people would disconnect them. They would think it's the, you are correct. The, the router. And then yes. they'd be like, oh, the internet's not working. And then they like fumble with it and then, <laughs> then it dies. It definitely, I had a guest about two weeks ago, did the exact same thing. He unplugged my smart things hub and it basically shut off all smart, everything. So it's <laughs> like, you can't do that, <laughs> but it's definitely like getting better. Yeah. Sorry. Getting better at putting it somewhere that the guests are not able to get their hands on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, that's hundred percent. What do you think that you can improve on in your operations? It is definitely personalizing more for the guests It's for them. It is their, their trip. There's their vacation. If they have a memory that they want to capitalize, but it would be definitely nicer for me to make them feel a little bit more at home. So when they get in, they are seeing that the fact that I left out a bouquet that showed them that it was there, someone's birthday coming in for the weekend and stuff like that. So it's definitely a big thing and bringing in small amenities that the it's assorted drink package and a bottle of wine that you can things of that nature is definitely something that I would love to get into. Got it. Got it. One thing I would just caution on the wine. Yes. It does yes. avoid, it avoids your homeowner's policy. Yes. It avoids all your liability policy. So unless you've so the wine was definitely so be very careful. Yes. The, I know the wine one is definitely a, an iffy one, but so I knew if to caveat that one, but definitely like coffee branded, small branded coffee and using our brands yeah. is definitely something that I would love to do. I, mean, I even thought of the idea of getting pizzas for the drunk nights that the people get home and like, there's a pizza in the freezer for you. Awesome. That'd be really nice. I love that. I love that. <laughs> on the alcohol point, actually, just before, as we close the conversation, I saw this lady one time post on Facebook, like she 
gives the bottle of tequila and I serve shots. Like she, she goes and serve shots when they come in. And, I'm just, and it, you, everyone was just like, we need to stop that because you literally are going to avoid yes. your liability policy. So for anyone listening to this, just be very mindful of that. Get an alcohol license if you're going to do something like that. So then as we close the show, I'm going to ask my traditional closing question. Look, short-term rentals business is a team sport. What's something that someone has done for you? What's the nicest thing that someone's done for you through this journey that has helped you on your way? You start to find out that the guests are very nice. Everyone hears about the negative guests. You started, you have those, but I've definitely had some guests that are the nicest person ever. I had a guest message me at 2 a.m. telling me that there is a loud alarm noise going off and she can't stop it. And it's, what do I do now? And I'm like, I had her take apart the electrical system and cut the lines because that's the only thing I could figure out to do at the time. And then somehow she still gave me an amazing review. And I'm like, everything about this says that I should have gotten that first one that no, everyone dressed getting, but she was still the nicest person in this. This happens. I know it wasn't your fault, but she was still completely amazed about it. That's so nice. Yeah. The guests really... Yeah, I think they get a bad rap. I think sometimes, like, I think us as hosts, we don't give them enough credit. Sometimes things do go wrong, and but you, look, you try your best and make things right. I think for most people, if you really try, they will, they'll give you the benefit of the doubt. So that's really cool. I'm, I'm glad to hear yeah, it's such a great experience at the Midwest hospitality. Yeah. I will to- caveat that too. At the time, I was in Argentina. Like, I was <laughs> in Argentina at the bar, and the guest called me. <laughs> So I had to go through damage control at 2 a.m. in the bar. <laughs> Man, it is like a the short-term rental like principle. Whatever goes wrong, it's going to happen the least the, when you least expect it. When you're at dinner with friends or you're doing something, and then that's when you know it breaks down and you get the call. It's happened so many times with us too. Yeah. I've gotten <laughs> unlucky. It's been multiple times where when I was at the apartment for some reason for a day, the hot water heater went out when I was there. The bed broke when I was there. I can't stay in my own Airbnbs now because I break anything <laughs> anytime I walk in the door. <laughs> All right, more vacation, more vacations for you. You're, you're going to save money in the long run. Hey, Dr. Hunter, thank you for joining. I really appreciate the, you spending the time with me and sharing your experience with our community. Thank you. I will, I'm glad to be on your journey and hopefully see you a few times again whenever I get Michigan up and running.